Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, happy end of the year! Happy end of the year. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Ooh, it's flooding into coma. Yay. Oh, Happy no. end of the year. Oh boo. Yeah. That's not that's not what you want. That's, no, no, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty gnarly outside in some areas of the city. So I'm glad it's not gnarly in my area of the city, but um like 10, 10 20 blocks from me is completely underwater right now. Ooh. Well, yeah. our thoughts are with the rest of Tacoma. And mm-hmm. uh I hope that flooding abates soon for you that is terrible at any time of year but particularly right in time for christmas right in time for like everyone to be off of work and trying to get places so yeah it's 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 not great but the mail's still getting delivered because listeners yesterday i got kate's holiday baked goods slash popcorn box and my partner and I were both very excited as we divvied up the cookies of, do you want this? No. Do you want this one? Yes. Okay. Well, you can have half of it because I want it too. <laughs> you can have all the popcorn though, Noel. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, uh, today I received Noel and his, and his person's uh, care package, which has, I haven't had a chance to try the cookies yet, but they look delightful. Uh, mm-hmm. But listeners, it has homemade marshmallows and yes. they're so fun delicious they're really really good i'm very very excited to have more i've only let myself have one so far um Mm -hmm. but they're real good so i'm very excited yeah no i'm i'm glad no um i've had a couple of the things that you've sent and they're good as always oh thank you yay well we we actively tried to reduce the number of cookies we sent people this year so that there are yeah it didn't seem like it (laughs) <laughs> there's still 20 like something different kinds um yeah. and there's no cookie menu alas because my computer was fucked at the time but um but there but there's only like one of each there's like a couple that have two but most of them there's only one of each which seems like a reasonable thing but it has taken us several years to get to that point where we like ma- <laughs> like I don't care that we have extras of blah 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 we're not foisting them upon people we'll figure out a use for them separately well, here's the thing. If you have extras of molasses cookies, if you uh-huh. have extra snickerdoodles, if you uh-huh. have extras of, um, let's see, what else? Um, my partner really liked those little star cookies um, that we don't know what they were called, though. Oh, those are Zimstern. Um, and okay. they were horrible to make last year. But this year it worked yeah. really – all I did was I chilled the batter uh, or the dough or whatever for like an mm-hmm. hour. And they were, they were a freaking dream. So, yeah. if you'd like, I can pass along the recipes for any and all, but those are good. Yeah, my partner really enjoyed the star cookie. I thought it was fine, but she re- she really liked it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just almonds and meringue, and then you roll yeah. it out, and then you bake it. So it's gluten-free, which is nice. Um, but yes. Uh, we knew it was gluten-free. We could tell. Yeah, you get just from the texture and everything. Yeah. 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 So, but anyway, so so listeners, it's a very sugary very very sweet time of year for us in in both sides of the televerse uh spectrum here um and that also means that it's time for our best tv of the year 
like extravaganza episode. So this week we're doing our top 20 TV shows of 2019. Mm-hmm. Next week we'll have everything else. Um, we're going to yeah. try to keep things to a reasonable length. We'll have everything else. In, in, well, well, we get to decide what everything else means. So, yeah. yes. Um, my question for you, Noel, is how much has your viewing in the past week shaped your list and how does this year's list compare to previous years so far as like was it like you had like a top seven and then everything else kind of blurred together was it there was there like what was the cutoff point where you were starting to just like kind of fill spaces versus x number really needed to be on there yeah so um some recent viewing sort of like influenced things like uh watchman's position based on the finale dropped few spots based Mm -hmm. on where i was expecting it to be because i didn't like the finale very much it's good but it's also i mean i have a lot of thoughts about that third act basically the last three episodes um and we can talk about that either during this list or when we resume normal programming Mm -hmm. um but i feel like for this year i really just needed 10 slots Mm -hmm. which was a big frustration um and because the back half of my list i think is good but it's also like I mean, these shows were good. Do they need to be on a list? Maybe not this year. Okay. So I feel like I really just needed 10 slots this year. So 20 felt excessive. And I think like the big thing with it was, is that there were a, a handful of shows that were in like an upper tier for me this year. Mm-hmm. And then I had like 20 to 30 shows in my upper middle tier, which is normally what I used to fill in gaps. And then it was just like, oh, I have way more of these than I do upper tier this year. Yikes. But yeah it doesn't make me feel great um so i'm generally happy with like my top 10 top 11 this year but then the rest of it's just kind of like i really enjoyed these shows i don't know that they need to be on a list this year yeah i know what you mean yeah. for me i had uh there were fewer where i was like well this has got to be so i kept being surprised at finding shows being that high yeah. I, I had a lot of shows that felt like they should be like five to 15, five to 10 kind of a thing. And some of those like slipped into my top five. And I was like, really, is this, is this really my number four show? Is this really my number five show? And then I go, yeah, it is. Cause like I'm looking at everything I watch and look, thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, no, I really loved this show. I really loved each of these episodes and I can't, don't have another show that I loved more. Um, so yeah, I, I similarly had just a few at the very top and a bunch that, that really raised, not because I thought of that show and said, this is a top five show, this is a top 10 show, but because they, there wasn't a show I would put above them, Uh you know? So, which is an unusual thing, but I mean, I say that, but there are still shows that I left off, like... Tuca and Birdie is my number 21 this year. And, like, it feels bad leaving it <laughs> off. And there's several, like, I don't know if you have a list. I have a list of shows that I'm just going to call out here at the top to say I didn't get to them. And that's why they're not on my list. But they probably should be on my list. Like, BoJack. Like, Vita. I never got back to finishing Vita. When They See Us. I still haven't made yeah. myself sit down to. Better when- Things. Los Spookies. Like, there's several shows that I'm sure would be contending if I had managed to circle back around and finish them. Yeah, When They See Us is, like, my big glaring omission. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert for, why aren't we watching? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Or next, next week. Next week. Yeah. Um, Maybe by next week I will have seen it. Probably not. Yeah. Maybe. And see, I thought I was going to carve out time yesterday to watch it. And then I was just like, oh, no, this is like six, seven hours. And it's like six, five and a half, six hours, basically. And I went, oh, I don't have I don't have that time up until to decide where to put this. I had time to finish one show prior to finishing this list. And I was glad I did. Um, did it make it onto your like, list? It 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 did make it onto the list. So I was glad okay. that I invested that time. Um, but no, so like um, when they see us, I also like started but did not finish even the first episode of Primal, which is that new project from Gennady Tarotovsky, the guy who does Samurai Jack. Um, and I watched like the first half of the first episode and I was like, this is really good. I feel like this isn't going to go anywhere that's going to put it on my list. So I'm not going to talk about it. So I'm not going to finish this and carve out time for it, even though it's only like two hours <laughs> <laughs> total for five episodes. Um, so I was just like, nah, it's fine. It's fine. I can move on. And I just played video games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have so many episodes of Better Things. I have like six episodes of Better Things still sitting on my DVR. I have yeah, that's rough. A solid like ten episodes of You're the Worst sitting on my DVR. Like there's there's a bunch of them. I still I've seen all but the last three of um of Star Trek Discovery. I've seen like there's a bunch of those that just for various reasons uh, I got away from or I didn't quite finish. And I was planning, and I did go back and finish Broad City. I was kind of like saving that, yeah, um, those last few ones. So I did finish Broad City, uh, but but I similarly planned to get back to better things, to get back to some of these other shows, to catch up with BoJack, and I just it just didn't it just didn't happen. So alas, yeah, it's 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 there's a too much TV, but then it was also weighing it against. All right, is this a reasonable thing for me to do given the how intensely busy I've been this week between mailing things, between getting things ready to be mailed, between helping my person make, make delicious and marshmallows and cookies. Right. I mean, yeah. she, she did all of that. I'm, I just coated them in sugar and cornstarch so that they wouldn't stick together. That's all my contribution to <laughs> those marshmallows. <were. laughs> um, so it was one of those things of like, where am I making the time or do I just want to keep watching another three episodes of Guy's Groceries Games while I'm doing work? And the answer was, I'm going to keep watching Guy's Groceries Games for some reason. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't get to the Ava DuVernay miniseries that I'm sure is amazing, but I uh -huh. definitely watched all of Sugar Rush at least once and all yeah. of like so many different shows and all of Chef's right, Table exactly. and all of Zumbo's Just Desserts and all of like, yeah. So I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so I, again, so I'm generally happy with the list. And I think one of the things that also even more so than last year um, really kind of comes through with this is a number of the shows that are on here were shows that my partner and I were very eager to end up watching together, mm -hmm. um, which was which made a big deal and big influence in what I think I ended up wanting to prioritize for the list as well. So there are plenty of things on here that she and I didn't watch together, but a good chunk of it, I would probably say looking, glazing over it, skimming over it, at least half of it is things that we watched together and got to talk about. So I think that also really influenced my list choices this year more so than usual. Yeah. Well, I mean, the your, the way you interact with art and the way you interact with it, uh, with, with the TV show 
it's huge for what sticks with you, for what has more meaning and impact. That's why whenever it's not a surprise that whenever you talk to critics, uh, especially TV critics, if there is a show that they reviewed, it will yeah. probably be higher for them than other people, assuming it was a good show, because they yeah. have lived with that show. They have yes. analyzed it. They have just drunk it in <laughs> maybe more than is appropriate. And so you know, we just don't have the time. There's too much TV. There's too many cooks. There's not enough time to give that same attention to all of these shows. And so you're going to, you know, be drawn more towards the shows that merited that attention. Um, and that will be the case for me. I say, though, uh, Drag Race is not on my list. Spoiler alert. Uh, I was looking through all of the shows there. Uh, oh, my goodness. Who was it? There was a TV great Liz Shannon Miller, I think, put together a, a Google Doc of theoretically all the American scripted TV shows this mm -hmm. year. And it was like 700 long. And there were yeah, still some missing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was very helpful. So I was getting through all of this and I was going, Top Chef was this year? And I was remembering back, oh, yeah, it was. And I like this season. And I'm actually excited about the All-Star season that's coming next because, you know, a bunch of people I really like are coming back. But I completely forgot that that got some of my time this year. So, yeah, I did too but i didn't know that they were doing an all-star season now i'm excited about top chef yeah. jen is coming back for all-stars again so of course i'm gonna watch it <laughs> you're sweet jen right every time i will always watch jen on top chef Ugh. anyways we will have some time for other miscellaneous tv discussions like that digression next week but for this week we need to to dive in so let's start with um let's do 20 to 16 okay and we'll and and we'll just kind of shout them out and any you know any thoughts that either of us have and then um if you have if I say one that's on your list let me know and we'll save the conversation for whoever has it higher and vice okay. versa would you like to kick things off yeah sure I'll go first so number twenty uh is Brooklyn Nine Nine a little higher on mine okay uh nineteen is what we do in the shadows mm hmm uh number eighteen is the last OG ah. I have that one too, but it's it's actually a 19 for me. I'm so glad that we both have that on our lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was looking um, at like it was like Tuka and Birdie, Last OG. Like it's like no one else is talking about Last OG, and they had a really good season. So yeah. that will be the Tiffany Haddish show I talk about. <laughs> and like normally, I like reserve the 20 to 20 spot for a show that I feel like people aren't watching. Like that's been sort of my thing this year. But then I just went, no, Last OG needs to be higher up a little bit because they had a really good season this year particularly like the finale but yeah. just in general they had just a really strong thoughtful season that sh pivoted out of its premise really really nicely into something that was also really really thoughtful and also really funny um so that's why it was 18 for me um so number 17 which isn't going to be on your list is the promised neverland which is a terrific anime this year and then number 16 for me was Queen Sugar. Oh, okay. So I have that at much higher. So we will okay. talk. <laughs> I think that's that stumbling block that we've discussed about, like, the if you can buy into the premise of the season. But we will talk yeah. about that later in the podcast. For me, I have at 20, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And okay. that was very much in my 20 spot because uh, it certainly helps that I have watched. Have you seen the, this, the, the story we need right now from this past week? No, I haven't watched it, but um, yeah, I, I know about the segment. So. Yeah, so there's it's 
I've watched this recent week's story we need right now segment like at least five times in this week. So that's certainly, I'm sure it's helping keep it fresh in my mind. But of all the different late night shows, that is the one that I come back to the most. That's the one that I like where I find the various segments the most interesting and engaging. I feel like that's the show of the different ones I watch that really highlights its writers and, and make like brings out and supports the whole crew. So that's, so that's why I wanted to, to keep it on the list. Normally, talk shows don't make my list. Normally those kinds of comedy shows don't make my list, but this year they did. And the 82 year old weight, body building woman who beat up her burglar with a table is a good part of why spoiler alert for stories we need right now. Go watch the segment listeners. It is delightful. Um, my number 19, like you said, uh, like you had is the, the last OG. Um, and yeah, I, I co-sign everything that you said about it, and not enough people are talking about it. Not enough people know it exists. Um, I saw somebody talking about how Tiffany Haddish hadn't really done anything since Girls Trip, and I was just like, she has been on a They're TV not show. not paying attention. She's been doing a lot, and she's yeah. been really crushing it, um, at least in the things that I've seen of hers. So, yeah, just, like, there's just a lot. I mean, there's a lot of TV. I get, I get missing it, but... If you search up her her IMDb, you'll see that she's been doing her work. So, yeah, really terrific season. Um, 18, I had Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I think we were both so excited that it came back so strong. Is that the best revival season of a show that changed networks? Like, not revival as in years have passed, but I mean, picked up by a new network and then there's a continuing season. I feel like it might be the best one that I can think of. Probably, but I mean, I also like feel like we have to acknowledge the fact that like the pickup was generally a really easy thing for NBC to do since they own they own the show through Universal. Um, so, and I think that helps streamline things a lot for that pickup. So, and I think giving the show basically a shorter season also made a big difference in terms of its overall quality. Um, so, I think that generally, yes, it's mm-hmm. probably the smoothest sort of transition. Um, I mean, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out when one day at a time comes back on pop in like a month or two. Yeah, and then yeah. we can have a talk. Then we can have another talk about this <laughs> and see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I'm I'm very excited for that. Um, next up for me is seventeen is speechless. Is this on yours? It is not on mine. Yeah. And this is one another one where I was like, you know what? I was looking at a I had a list of shows that I felt like were all kind of in the similar vein, and I was like, I'm finding space for Speechless because it had a lot of episodes at the start of this year. It ran for like three or four months at the start of 2019, and it was very good. And and JJ got to go off to college, and and he got his lovely, delightful girlfriend, and we got to see the films that he made, and it was it was a good it was a good final season in a show that was consistent its whole way through so definitely had to find some space and some love for speechless uh 16 i cheated because we get to um and i i have three uh three different documentary reality series here which is lorena surviving r kelly and leaving neverland and if i had to pick one i probably would would do leaving neverland but i wanted to shout out those other two as well they're each very distinct in their approach and their tone um but they were each very impactful and i mean the surviving r kelly you know docuseries had large you know larger effects in that it certainly contributed to a turning of public opinion that helped get him arrested so yay um but but even just as documentary filmmaking i thought that 
that these were an important piece of what TV was this year, and I wanted to make sure I had some space for them. Yeah, Leaving Neverland made my list at number 13, so just mm-hmm. a couple spots higher overall. Um, I also considered combining it with Lorena, which I had also watched. Um, but Leaving Neverland was what kind of stuck with me just a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I decided to pop it up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have, do you want to, do you have any other thoughts on it? No, no, no. I think you, I, and I think that like just the general sort of, it kind of speaks to the R, R. Kelly thing of hoping to recontextualize a cultural conversation and a cultural reevaluation um, in a similar way that the Clinton scandal special that was last year or this year? I, I think that remember. was this year as well. I think that was this year as well. And I just don't think it was on my spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, helps to recontextualize something that we need to think about more critically. Um, so I think that, that had that been on my list and had I confirmed that that was this year, I would have included it as well. Needless to say, I'm very interested in seeing what American Crime Story does that does with that next year. Yes, as as am I. Um, let's go 15 to, to 11. Yeah, so f- f- with number 15, I have I'm Sorry, uh-huh. um, which is going to show up on my Smokers Borgie quite a bit because uh, it was the best space to fill in a bunch of things. Um, oh, Maidens in Your Savage Season uh, is number 14 for me. Um, number 13, as I mentioned, uh, Leaving Neverland. Uh, number 12 is a Black Lady Sketch Show. Um, was this on yours or no? No, it, you know, it was in contention. It was one of those ones I was yeah. tossing around, but there was only six episodes and there were some really brilliant sketches and then some other ones yeah. that kind of fell flat for me. So yeah. I left it off, but it, you, spoiler alert, it will be appearing next week. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the only sketch show I watched really consistently. So guess what, everyone? <laughs> Best writing for a sketch show. Um, and then number 11 is Stars Align, which is an, another anime. My my list was very anime heavy this year, which I'm very happy about. Um, Stars Align is really, really good. But I the last episode or the last two episodes haven't aired yet. But it was still like, no, this show's really, really good and has deals with topics of abuse um in really interesting ways um that i find really compelling but also has discussed issues of like non-binary and gender identity in also surprisingly thoughtful ways without ever feeling like it's a chain of very special episodes so i really enjoyed that and combined with like oh maidens in your savage season which is a sexual coming of age uh which is also really really good um it's just it was a really good year for this kind of uh narrative type of deal in anime so yeah that's my uh 15 through 11 what about you i have uh at 15 the good place which i can't imagine is higher for you it's not on my list yeah well and you know i think you know we've talked about the issues that the good place has had this year i'm not that surprised that it that i mean i feel a little wrong about having it at 15 i just didn't take the Time and energy because I had to make a top fifteen listeners for the AV Club, um, and then I tweaked it for this, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't gonna let myself open that can of worms too far. Yeah, <laughs> but I did when I was looking at this. I'm like, should the Good Place really be above some of these other shows? No, but the the episodes that worked for me this season really did work, and so yeah. uh, that along with the end of the previous season really carried the average for me. Yeah, and I've struggled with the end of the previous season, but it was also like, they've just, I don't know that the the 2019 part of the current season works well enough 
to balance it out, which is why I just went, I can't, I can't put it on here. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I did see one list where it was number one. And I was just like, nope. No. <laughs> you don't watch enough TV. <laughs> that is for a completely subjective list. Obviously, it's a personal yeah. opinion. Like, every, you do you. I'm not trying to get yeah. your gum. I'm just like, we do not agree. I can click mm-hmm. off and not worry about the rest of this list. <laughs> oh, man. At number 14, I have one day at a time. Now, it, did this make your list or no? It kept getting shuffled on and off. And finally, I just left it off, though. It would mm-hmm. probably be like 21 for me. Yeah. 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 And I, I Again, I totally hear you for that. Uh, the I think the end of season arc with Schneider did not work as well for us as it did for some other people. Yeah. Um, certainly it didn't work as well for me as it did for other people. Right. And I liked it more than you did, but yes, I still like just ended up leaving it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And this was another one. Uh, and, and this is a theme in some of, of my placement of shows where mm-hmm. specific, really powerful and effective moments and episodes really carried and bumped up shows on my list. Um, so so the stuff, the parts of One Day at a Time, the season that that really worked for me are why it's at 14. And the parts that I have to kind of re- struggle a little bit to remember what else happened this season, I didn't really knock that against. I didn't, that didn't knock it down too far. I mean, other than it's not in my top 10, which would have shocked me if you had told me that at the beginning of 2019. Sure. But... Still, we we love one day at a time here at the Televerse. Yes. Um, at number 13, I have Superstore. I'm guessing this is higher on yours? Yeah, a few spots higher, yeah. Okay, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I have Barry at 12, which I assume is not on your list. It uh, is it's, not. It's I'm, so I'll not I'll talk about show. it with the Smorksporgy quite a bit, but it is not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one that I, you know, I really appreciated watching it, but I keep seeing it show up on people's, like, at the very top of their best of the year list, and I'm like, either... You watch a lot of different TV or just have different priorities or just like we we just have we like different stuff in TV. And that that is cool. That is cool. Critics or other people um, at number 11. I have Pose, which was just such a beautiful, lovely season. Um, again, more on this next week in our musical moments because they had Patty Lapone and they took full advantage of ha- casting Patty Lapone and just having her be just glorious. Just oh. Horrible and spectacular and magical and wonderful. So more on that next week. But it was, again, a really beautiful season of Pose. And that takes us to top 10. Um, let's trade off now. So what was your number 10? So my number 10 is the show that resulted in me really kind of scrambling this list quite a bit. Because okay. I was just like, it was not on my list originally in the first draft. And then as I tweeted last night, I just went, F it. And it's going on my list. So at my number 10 spot is evil, um, <laughs> which I don't feel like is a direct representation of how good this show is, quote unquote good. But I just love the shit out of this show for its sheer what the fuckery mm-hmm. um, that it engages in. And also that 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 that, that Christmas episode is just so bizarre. I'm going to just edit that underneath what yes. we're saying for this whole segment. Yeah, do it. <laughs> and of course, that's Jonathan Colton for anyone who doesn't recognize yeah. his voice already in his connection with the Kings. But yeah, yeah, please continue. Yeah. It was delightful. Right. So it was just one of those things of like, this is a show that is just kind of unfiltered King crack in a different way from like the good fight. Um, and so it was just like, but I also just really love and enjoy the show and look forward to it actively each week. And I just went, yeah, no, I'm going to put this in number 10. I don't really care that it should probably be lower, 
but I just love it so much and I've enjoyed it so much that <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, no, this is number 10. This is number 10. And I was also like, I was telling a friend of the show, Allison Shoemaker on Twitter, I'm just glad I was able to stay with and keep watching the show <laughs> after the pilot and after VR goggles girls, both Ugh. of which just scared the crap out of me so much that I was just like, I don't know if I can keep watching the show. Um, but I'm glad I have. And also I just appreciate the fact that they were like for their fall finale, they were just like, yeah, you know what? Old school cliffhanger with a guy getting shot and left with a phone ringing. We're just going to do it. And I just went slow clap Kings, slow clap, slow clap. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number 10. I'm assuming this is not on your list because you would have interrupted me at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's not on my list, but I love that it's on your list. And that's exactly why we have these lists, why we don't make like a unified Televerse list, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with just being like, screw it. I have fun watching this. This is what I spent my free time with. This is, you know, like what I rushed to my TV to watch every week. And that, I mean, we we firmly do not believe in guilty pleasures here at the Telegraph. Yeah. We believe in pleasures, TV, <laughs> TV yeah. shows that we enjoy. And if it's a show that you that you really love, it means it's speaking to some part of you. And it doesn't have to be like technically perfect, you know, where you're like, well, this part could be better. And there's some plotting issues. And it's very much, you know, this type of thing. I don't care. Did you yeah. love watching it? Was it super fun? There you go. Creepy sk- singing school children. Absolutely. Creepy. Stabbing their ears with pencils. Yeah. Oh. Oh. It's so good. <laughs> well, and, and my culture being really funny. Like, that's yeah. the other thing about evil is like, it lets my culture be funny. And that's the best thing. All of the Chris Evans sweater discourse, which, by the way, I'm 100% here for, and we <laughs> knives out. Uh, I, I saw somebody uh, tweeting about this. I don't even remember who it was. Anybody who's on the sweater bandwagon for Chris Evans who's not watching Evil, what are you doing? Because yeah, Mike Coulter's sweater appreciation on just like gen- just the general knitwear situation on Evil is something that all of those sweater fans from Knives Out should be should be flocking to. Very different tone, but also delightful. So I love that it's on your list. Uh, my number 10, I'm assuming, is not on your list, and that's Jane the Virgin. It is not. Um, it was never super duper in contention for me, even though I did really enjoy this as a final season. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was one of those shows, there were some themes that popped up in my like, thinking about the year's TV, and one of them was the number of shows with an obvious exception, we don't even, nobody listens to the show thinks it's on either of our lists. Uh, but the, so many shows ending really well. And Jane the Virgin had just a perfectly, beautifully Jane the Virgin finale. And so did Broad City, and so did a bunch of other shows this year. There was a bunch of, a bunch of either self-contained, like, if that is, where if this is the last thing we ever see from the show, which most of the things I'm, shows I'm thinking of, that is the finale, right? They, they're they're supposedly done, supposedly done. Um, it's just such a beautiful, pitch perfect way to end that show, really sticking the landing. Um, and Jane the Virgin is one of those. I wanted to reward that. I also, you know, it's that thing where both of us, Noel, I know, value shows about kind and good people. And anyone who thinks that you can't write a show or it's not interesting when you get the couple together and it's not interesting if everybody's good and nice and kind, that's just lazy. It's just harder, <laughs> but it's, or it's a different kind of show. Maybe you're not interested in that kind of show, but there is 
exquisite television to be made about people who are kind and caring and good. And Jane the Virgin is a prime example of it. I thought that there was, again, there were some really amazing moments and episodes uh, in this final season. And yes, the stuff with, with not Michael wasn't great. Um, outside, outside from that monologue <laughs> that, that Gina Rodriguez directed of herself, but um. But the stuff that did really work, I thought was was lovely, and I thought it was a really nice end to a show that I think is going to hold up really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't really in contention for me, but it just went, oh, the finale is really good, and it's a good, solid run, but it was also, I could think of other shows where I was yeah. just like, no, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I hear you, I hear you. Yeah. What was your number nine? Uh, something I imagine is not on your list uh, is The Good Fight. <laughs> yeah, nope, not on my list, but let's no. talk about it. <laughs> and I mean, I can totally understand why, and I almost didn't put it on there because of the Michael Sheen of it all. But at the same time, I was just like, no, this was all really bonkers. And it was really good. And I really enjoyed it. And I just, yeah, it's very much like Evil in which it was just like, no, this is really good. And I really enjoy it. And it also just kind of perfectly encapsulates kind of how we feel right now, which is we need to start delivering soliloquies while there's riots happening around us. And then we're going to hook up with the guy from Downton Abbey. Um, It's just like all this sort of random stuff. But also CBS wouldn't let us broadcast this about China. It's also one of the best things that I think happened on TV this year. So um, yeah, no, it's the good fight. It's very silly. But it also speaks to kind of a larger trend in like a number of other things that are coming up on my list of how are we coping with everything that's going on? And The Good Fight is a really good example of how are we coping? Are we coping? Type of thing. (laughs) And that becomes kind of a larger trend going forward on my list of you your lists your list is prop is tends to focus on kindness mine is focused on how are we coping with things is basically <laughs> the rest of my list yeah um and the answer is kind of depends <laughs> <laughs> oh it's hilarious um yeah i mean also let's just a moment for raspberry beret right yeah come on yeah <laughs> yeah there are some really some really great moments uh, uh on good fight this season and, and really fun episodes and yeah give you know say what you will about that michael sheen character he was just going for it and it was it was entertaining yeah, Even if it I was didn't entertaining <laughs> it was right for the show um my number nine is certainly not on your list because it's again not another not null show i think this is the most divergent our yeah, lists have ever have. been and I'm, I'm kind of loving it. Um, our, my number nine is Veep, which is another show that had a solid but not great season. I, and I think that's, in my opinion, that's entirely out of the hands of the Veep writers because how do you satirize our situation right. at this point? Like, just like they, they did their best and some of it really worked. I think on an episodic level, some of it worked. Um, a, a lot of the each individual episode works. The arcing for some of the characters did not work at all. But when I got to the end of the season with that absolutely brilliant, like amazing, fantastic finale that they had, it became clear of like why certain things happened because they they had figured out their end point. And so they needed to do certain things to get to a point where the characters were in the position they would be in in the finale, which would allow that massive betrayal that we got in the finale. And that's. Absolutely, Aviv is another show that had a brilliant and pitch perfect finale in in this year. Uh, that just the cast, the flash forward 
to to Selena's funeral, her state funeral, and the like. It's it's so funny <laughs> in so many different ways. The ridiculous uh, visual like humor of her casket going into the like hilariously vulva shaped like crypt place where it's gonna go. The the um the age the aging makeup and, and character choices for where everybody's at twenty five years later. They're still really t- hilarious banter back and forth between them that poignant heartbreaking moment with gary with the lipstick uh it was all of that all rolled up all together and i mean i think it's easy and again this is what i said earlier i reviewed the show i wrote about it every week um for the last half of the run of the show um but i think it's easy to overlook just how good and consistent veep was over its seven season run because it's average was so high. So obviously Veep is not a null show. It's not for you. That's totally fine. But if it is a show that that the kind of show that that someone would like, like the the seasons of Veep that aren't as good are only disappointing because they're compared to some of the funniest, most consistent, most hilarious episodes of comedic television I've ever seen. And I've seen way too much TV. So like when you're going like, yeah, but it's not quite as good as the bathroom breakdown with Gary or yeah, but is it as good as it's like, that's not fair at a certain point. Um, it, it, how does it compare to the rest of TV? Well, top 10 of the, of the year for me. And, and on a different day, I might even have it higher, but um, it was another really terrific finale. And that ensemble is just, it's just so good. They're just so funny. And I'm very, very grateful that I was able to, to write about it. Um, for for as much as long as I was, so yeah, beep number nine. Oh, I was just glad that you had it on there because while I was trying to figure out some things, I just went, "Ah, oh, is Tom Hanks's death qualify as on screen for beep? <laughs> does that count? Yes, even though it I does. didn't watch it, does, I just alert. like the joke a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and paying off a season one or two like throw off line in a show that yeah. has so many of those yeah. in your like last closing moments of your series. I mean, that's brilliant. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. So my number eight is Superstore. So let's talk about Superstore. Great. Um, so I, in particular, like the tail end of the previous season and the start of this season, um, it's just been really solid and the way in which they've managed to explore really contemporary issues. Um, either immigration or unionization or increasingly with their pivot in their winter finale, uh, autom- uh, automation, whether or not that's coming in, because definitely the people, the company that bought cloud nine is the company that made that robot. Um, I think it represents just, they're really uniquely positioned to talk about these issues in a way that other shows because of, their structure of needing their characters to be affluent or affluent enough to do things without you thinking about it, don't get to address where a superstore is just like, no, I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to pretend that these people have that many, that much outside lives because they're always at work. And so what does that mean? How does that get represented? How does that get represented in today's political climate? And so the ways in which they're navigating all of those issues and the way in which they're able to speak to those issues, I think is really powerful. And the way in which they are able to mine humor from that is really powerful, but the way that they're also 
perfectly willing to make sh- to kind of maintain a degree of verisimilitude um about these issues as well mainly the mateo um subplot uh from this season i also think just works really really well and it's also legitimately sort of like the nicest show that's in because <laughs> um, everything else is kind of depressing or weird or kind of mean um but superstore is just so good and nice unless you're carol Mm-hmm. She's going to take Sandra to this really nice cliff with this really great view. <laughs> it's out in the middle of nowhere. You don't even have cell phone reception. Yeah. Superstore. I mean, and, and you know, or the episode that ended their fall, like I guess their winter finale was really strong as well. And yes. what a, what a way to end the, that, you know, the, the last like reveal or twist, um, was terrific. So we'll talk about that when we get back to regular episodes, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's it's been really compelling while always ridiculous and silly and fun and mm-hmm. never losing sight of its characters and the dynamics that they've established. So their their ability and their interest in balancing those two elements um makes it some of the most interesting sitcom like writing that's happening right now and I am constantly confused and frustrated <laughs> That no one is talking about it. I feel like no critics are talking about that. There was a piece recently that I saw, like, recently in the last month or two about it. There was one critic that wrote it, wrote yeah. it at the show. And that's it. And I'm not seeing it on any of these end-of-the-year lists. People making, like, 20 to 50 episode, like or, like, um, season, like, TV show long lists. And nobody has Superstore. And... That's just such a shame because I feel like it's one that, I mean, it maybe if it gets, is it on Netflix? If it gets more available for streaming, no, then then I feel like people are going to cotton to it just the same way they that people did the um the the Office. Like, if you like the Office, you're gonna like Superstore. I don't see how there's like any disconnect there at all. And I think for me, a lot of the time, Superstore is a better show than the Office. Um, so. Yeah, I I hope that I hope that people start watching it. I hope more people start talking yeah. about it. Yeah, I think that the the most high profile critic that really champions the show show champions the show is Emily Vanderwerf over at Vox is probably the most high profile person who really highlights the show really consistently as well. Um, I'm not sure if it was I I'm almost positive it was somewhere in her top 21 shows that explained um 2019 mm-hmm. um but it was definitely in a big it was definitely either in that list or in a sidebar list uh because she did a number of sidebar lists for her um best of this year um but she's probably the most prominent champion of the show outside of i can't think of anyone else is the answer to that <laughs> yeah emily's very smart i especially yeah. when we agree with her <laughs> Yes, when we don't, less so. But um. then, then, then we respectfully disagree. But, yeah, but get on get on board with the superstore love. Um, my number eight is Queen Sugar, so I have this okay. significantly higher than you did. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's because I was able to. For me, the Nova buy-in, while ridiculous, yeah. um, was not enough to to stop me from like I, this ranking. This number is reflective of all the things that this season got right. And there are so many things that this season got right with, with Micah, with, with Charlie, with Ralph Angel, just like, Oh, when I think about the shot of him getting his parole paper 
versus then by the end of the season, his program's been shut down. Like, it, again, it's just very visceral, emotional storytelling done in such a nuanced and thoughtful and meaningful way. I don't always, you know, connect with everything that they do, but, but. God, yeah, that this is a show that knows when to pack a punch and knows how to do it. It knows how to be subtle. It also knows how to be cacklingly evil and broad, which is delicious, and I love it. So that's why it's so high for me. Um, but I can understand the element. There are certain elements about the season that may have frustrated and pulled it down for you, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was just the Nova stru- using the Nova stuff as a catalyst and being like, "This is not how any of this works." Was <laughs> you guys should know how publishing works. <laughs> yeah, that was basically my big hangup. It was just like I understand that you really want to tell the story and you wanted to use Nova as the way to tell it, and you very also really specifically wanted to give Rutina Wesley a big showcase this season, which they had not done yet, really. Um, and I feel like that, that's a good excuse to do this, but it was just through the poisonous tree type of deal of like, this is all very good. I don't like how you got what your inciting incident was to get here. Um, but everything else is really good. All that stuff with Charlie and the way in which they frame her, particularly like in the finale with the different kinds of offices, you mentioned all that stuff about Ralph Angel. And I just go, how can you forget about the pool? Mm-hmm. How can you forget about the visit to the pool with his oh, with the beach ball? The beach ball. I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> exactly. How could it's just like there's so many good things in that season that it's like it could not be on the list, but it was just structurally really kind of frustrating for me. Um in terms of like being on there, but I'm also like maybe sixteen was too low. But here we are. <laughs> that's fe- that's that's a problem for another day. That's a yeah. concern for another day. What was uh, your number seven? So my number seven's Watchmen. Okay, mine is higher. Okay, so we'll so get back we'll to wait. that. Yeah. yeah, my number seven, seven is Steven Universe. Yeah, that's not on here. Okay, and I understand that because listeners yeah. for this not a ep- lot of episodes aired. This I'm year. counting. Yeah, there were like four episodes <laughs> of of Steven Universe. That yes. were eligible because I consider the the movie something different, and I consider Steven Universe Future something different. Yeah, because um, they're each kind of their own thing. But for me, this is on my list for really one reason, and that is for Steven fusing with Gem Steven, and for also the ending because, like Veep, like Jane the Virgin, that is the end of Steven Universe. Change my mind. Change your mind. Sorry, is the end of Steven Universe, and it's. It's just perfect. It's the perfect ending for that show. It's absolutely beautiful. And it sticks with you and it and it, and it lingers in such a meaningful way. Yes, it's kind of silly with, you know, they're like, we're going to have everyone fused just in case we never get to do another episode and you get to see all the fusions, right? We're going to do all these different things. We're going to have some of these ridiculous battle scenes. Um, and they were fun and, and, and energetic and they were exciting. And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking them. But they... It was not – there wasn't the space for the show um, in, the, in that number of episodes that aired this year to really justify it being number seven. But I don't care because Steven and Jem Steven fusing and Steven just declaring himself to White Diamond in that way was so powerful that it, it put it in my top ten. Um, and also – 
just the creep factor, Lauren, this next week of everyone getting, you know, taken over by yeah. white. Like all of our, all of our here, like when Garnet especially goes, you're just like, oh no, well, we're not ready for this. I'm not emotionally ready for this. Um, so that's why it is on my list. Yeah. And I think that's a great reason. I, my thing was, is just like, nah, they think that the movie and future is just an extension of the show. So I'm going to treat it as such. They're fine, but you also only aired four episodes, like five yeah. episodes of your OG show. They're, they're very good. But is that enough? Was mm-hmm. sort of like where my conversation ended with myself. I was just like, I've really enjoyed a number of the future episodes. Um, but I'm also like, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. I so, hear you. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was, was hard. It was hard not putting it on here. It was hard. Yeah, right. It felt kind of wrong. Yeah. It, yeah. It felt it felt more wrong than not having good place on here is how wrong it felt. Yeah. Yeah. What was your number six? So my number six is Legend of Galactic Heroes uh, Die New Theses, uh, which is a anime that's a remake of an anime that was a, re- a make of a series of light novels that were published in the late 70s and early 80s um, that deals with a war between a UN-style democratic alliance that split off from a authoritarian, vaguely Nazi-esque empire like 100, 300 years ago. And they've been in a perpetual state of war with one another ever since then. There's a third human factor called the Fazan, who are basically nothing but dirty capitalists. Um, But the Mm. entire show is painfully relevant now. The first season, which aired over a year ago, is really, really good. The second season is much more overt in its politics, in terms of its discussion about the fragility of democracy to the point where this empire is able to stir up a coup in the democratic planets just by planting a little bit of false information and the entire thing collapses. Um, And so it becomes this really interesting navigation of, all right, what's happening to the world right now? What's happening to Japan right now? What's happening to the U.S. right now? Because how much of this can we extend outward? And all this kind of stuff. Um, And it's painfully relevant to the point where in the last episode of the season, our main protagonist, um, who's over with the Democratic Alliance, talking about the new president of this alliance goes, if people are willing to vote for this guy, maybe we shouldn't save democracy. It's like, (laughs) oh, shit. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to go stand over here now. Yep. Um, So it's really, really good. Um, The the notion that well-intentioned military is what's going to save us is not the best message. Um, But it is sort of the message for the show. Um, But it's not the best message. Um, It's beautifully animated by Production IG, who handles a number of really great anime over the years. Um, So... It's available on Crunchyroll, uh, subtitled, and you can also get a dub for it on Funimation. And I really encourage you to watch it and seek it out because it's really, really good. It's really well animated, but it's also just really, really thoughtful, I think, overall. It's terrible with women characters. There's barely any. So that's a problem. Um, but it's very much in its military genre demographic wheelhouse of wanting to appeal to just boys type of thing. Um, but it's really good. It's really thoughtful and it's worth seeking out. Okay. 
Well, I'm I'm very I'm very interested, very intrigued. Um, my number six is Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Yeah, wasn't on my list. <laughs> yep. Again, like I said, I was like looking at this like, well, from what he said about kind people, this, several of these are not on his list, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so. Craziest Girlfriend, I'm going to just keep quoting myself, another yeah. show that had a really beautiful ending. For me, I didn't, I wasn't hot on the actual last episode. I felt like it was not actually a, I don't know if you guys remember, I was like, this isn't actually a good episode of TV, but it's a really good ending for Craziest Girlfriend. And that last scene, the last moment, I think is just very well done. It's just exact, again, it's like the perfect ending for this show. Um, such a beautiful statement about identity and creation and like art and, and finding yourself and finding your voice. So I, this season, um, this, this chunk of the season, I should say that aired this year, um, didn't have as many like gut punch moments, as many songs that I will just be singing. It had a few, um, and it was, I mean, it had some really delightful, ridiculous <laughs> numbers and moments and everything. Don't get me wrong. I can't wait to see, uh, uh, Rachel Bloom's, uh, texts, uh, about, uh, or tweets, I should say, about, um, cats that I'm sure are going to be oh, happening. <laughs> but, um, but, but again, when you look at, you know, this is what I wrote about at the AV club. It's not only, a when like hard to do a single episode of TV that's a musical. They made the best musical TV show that's ever been made. <laughs> and like how dare you when cop rock is a thing? How dare you? I, no, I think <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is incredible. And they did it in a way that I can sit here and nitpick about details and about um, character motivations and about pacing and these other things. Like, like as if they aren't just working their fingers to the bone to, to just to make the story, let alone to have it be cohesive with really good performances, with really interesting things to say, with just fun and energy, you know, throughout. Um, so, so, even just on a level of difficulty, achieving that, landing, you know, the triple axle or whatever. Um, congratulations, Chris, girlfriend, you belong in my top 10. But also, I think it was it was consistently really interesting and compelling TV. And I, the more distance I get from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, you know, I'm, I'm hypercritical, especially of, of musicals, musical TV episodes, musical TV shows um, in general. And the more distance I get from it as I revisit it, all of like how I would assess the episodes, my grades that I would give them go up because I'm not, then I'm no longer judging it against some idea in my head of like what it could be, what perfect could be, you know, I'm just taking it at face value and going, oh yeah, well, it's another excellent episode. I mean, uh, maybe perhaps the motivation of this, blah, 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 like all this is like, um, some little, another pass with the orchestration here. Like, that's the kind of thing that when it's airing, I'm, I'm sitting there and, and tweaking and thinking about, but when I, you know, look at the whole show, uh, when I look at the season, when I look at just these episodes that aired this year, it's consistently really compelling television, excellent acting, excellent writing, <laughs> just like the slow motion song, like it, it, it in a TV year where like one of the most compelling moments of, of TV was that Game of Thrones reveal. Did you, did you ever seek out Allison's edited together no, Game of Thrones thing no, to the... 
yeah. slow motion song. Oh, it's just it's just Chef's Kiss. It's so good. Um, so so Crazy Ex Girlfriend was a big part of my my TV viewing this year, and uh, it's just. Again, I just marvel at what they created over there, what what Aileen Brish, Bosch McKenna, and and Rachel Bloom created, um, and I just can't wait to see what they do next. Hopefully, after a lengthy break yeah, and some rest, no, they deserve so much time off. <laughs> they do. I don't know if they want time off. Yeah. You know, Rachel Bloom's having a baby, so you know, there's that too. But um, but but yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what the stories they want to tell next. Um, yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done to the crazy ex-girlfriend team. Uh, what is your number five? Because it's not going to be my number five. <laughs> no, it's not your number five because you didn't finish the show and it's better things. Okay. Um, talking about like coping with things, um, better things this season is just really, it was very experimental in a not experimental way in terms of dicing up, various narrative threads and sort of not scrambling them, but sort of like making them a little disjointed from Sam going and doing that shoot in Hawaii or wherever it was. And then just the various goings on around her life that kept happening with uh, particularly her older daughter leaving college and coming back and navigating that. Um, And just her relationship with her kids in particular this season, but also trying to carve out space for herself to find happiness as well. Um, It was just really, really good. And it was really just beautiful in really, really quiet ways that I just couldn't get over. And so when I was thinking about, all right, how are we, again, going back to a lot of things of how are we getting through things? Are we getting through things? Better Things kind of represents a way of this is how we're getting through things. And it's basically just one kind of step at a time, even when everything kind of gets jumbled and gets kind of messed up. And we're not quite sure of the order of things. And we kind of forget, wait, is today Tuesday or is it Wednesday? Or, But I can't remember. Does it really matter? And am I seeing my dead father all the time? Oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, those kinds of things, but it's also, it's just really good. It's really thoughtful. And Evelyn's just incredible in this season and 90% positive. She wrote and directed everything this season as well. And it's just kind of tour de force and it's just really, really good. It's not as tour de force as maybe like my number four. Um, but it's still really, really, really good and really thoughtful. And so I just really, really wanted to highlight it here as high up as I felt was reasonable. So yeah, that was my better things. And I really hope you catch up on it soon. Um, what was your number five? Well, you know, it's, I'm enjoying playing guess what Noel's number four is. Cause yeah. I think your number four is my number one. So we'll okay. see, but my number five is Shit's Creek, which is not on your list. Yeah, no, it's not on my list, <laughs> but it's I very it. good, but it's not on my list. That's okay. <laughs> I, I loved it so much. And, and that was what, that was what I was like, is this really my number five? And that was like, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Cause like there was, for me, there were so many episodes that were just like, yeah, and that episode's great. Oh, and this episode's great. Oh, and this episode's great. I thought the individual performances were terrific. I loved, uh, Catherine O'Hara, like th- there was a symmetry to the writing of the episode that, that I also, or writing of the season, I should say, that I also loved. So we start the season with Catherine O'Hara in that ridiculous nest. And we, yeah. giving just like finding pathos and connection and something in, 
absolutely nothing. And then we end the season with Stevie and Cabaret. You know, they're their contrasts and their their parallels as well. Just because because O'Hara like Moira is just consummate pro, right? She's like making it work. She's finding something, and Stevie is just completely raw. And you know, and but she just opens herself and sells that and is and really connects with the material and is absolutely gorgeous. Um, such a such a lovely performance in in you know show within the show. Then you have the start of the season with <laughs> that ridiculous like tree climbing thingy with Patrick and and David, and then you end the season with them getting engaged on a hike out in nature again, and just like the contrast of that. You, I didn't think that was a good idea. <laughs> you're afraid of heights oh i don't think i knew that oh yeah i did oh man um then you get you know the, the whole arc with stevie and her stupid trash eventual trash boyfriend um you get the stevie and johnny stuff which is amazing they mm-hmm. dialed back roland wise choice um which also resulted in some less jocelyn which not a wise choice we miss jocelyn but i'll take it if it means that roland is not over egging the sauce um and to just like patrick's coming out episode was amazing um the proposal the hike was amazing that whole episode was amazing Carry drunk karaoke two towns over, um, was amazing. There was just so many, uh, really strong episodes for me all the way throughout throughout the season. Watching these characters really expand to fill Schitt's Creek, like the town, has been delightful. And I think for me, the show has improved and really grown each season. And not even because the writing is better, but because the characters have been able to grow and change because of what's happened in the previous seasons. So I don't think that, like, you couldn't be like, okay, start on season five, which uh, listeners may remember is what I first did, and have the show be as good. It's the, the watching them have progress throughout, certainly you could maybe start with season two, but like throughout their experiences in those previous seasons has allowed them to become who they are in season five so that I can love the show as much as I do. So yeah, I hilarious, absolutely ridiculous. When when like again in the season premiere, when they're playing with the wig wall, Johnny is pretending that Moyer didn't already hang up on him and there's just that shot to do you look ridiculous in that like blonde bob. It's just delightful. It's so good. So the energy of that show, the the patter, the balance of really emotional, very honest uh storytelling with absolute absurd craziness, like with a whisper of desire, right? Uh the the robbery at the store where like they never actually saw a gun and the guy actually they just like gave him stuff. <laughs> like got a bag for him and opened the door for him so he could leave. Like it's just ridiculous and absurd. And then I, you know, I haven't seen a different show doing a come out coming out episode the way that this one did. And I haven't seen like there's a specificity and and uh, a uniqueness of tone to this show that I really value and appreciate. And I'm gonna miss it when it's gone. I think probably one more. You know, as much as it hurts me to say, is right. Yeah. You know, but. But I also kind of want it to just keep going forever and just like slightly diminish each season, but I don't care because I just want to spend time with these characters. <laughs> Maybe they can do future Christmas episodes. I don't know. But 
I'm going to miss it when it's gone. And for now, it was a really strong season. So that's why it's my number five. So what's your number four? And is it my number one? Is it Fleabag? Yes, it is. So more on that in a bit. What's your number four? (laughs) My number four is Russian Doll. Okay. Is that on your list? No. Remember, I didn't like this as much as literally everyone else on the planet. Well, that's what I I was like. I was like, we kept running out of numbers. And I'm like, well, um, huh. Because I don't think he liked this one that much. But maybe it's not on his list. And it's not on your list. Um, If only for Sweet Birthday Baby. If yeah, only sure. for the for the physical comedy of those stairs. <laughs> if if only for the way that Natasha Leone says cockroach. If only for Natasha Leone's hair. Yeah. The yeah. show, I think, makes a strong case for being on, on a best of the year list. But for me, um, it also it came down to the writing and the performances. Yes, there are things that I wasn't as hot on, but I haven't seen a time travel, a time loop episode where other people are in the time loop. I haven't seen that before. Uh, I really like the performances of Natasha Lyonne and, and it's Charlie Barnett. Barnett. Greta Lee was delightful and amazing. It's a way of engaging with material that I think we've all seen enough times that we know how time loop shows work, but doing it in a, in a way that felt fresh, that brought something new to the conversation and that kept me absolutely engaged the whole time uh you know style and substance for me this show had them both and like just that song gotta get up like they're they're coming back for season two right and if they do i don't know how they're gonna match not let alone top i don't know how they're gonna match the songs like the music and the costuming and the the just some of these little detail touches in in the season but yeah, I was with Natasha Leone all the way through this, um, and I was very excited uh, for the, for her. You know, this is a project she's been working on for so long, and to see her able to execute it and really shine, it was it was fantastic. So I I really you know I, I this was another one. I was like, is this my number four? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's my number four. I really liked it. Yeah. Well, the upside of all of this is that it reminds me that I do need to include Russian Doll on like. For editing and set design in particular because oof, some of the set design on that show is just real good um real good for next week <laughs> there must be a category for Chekhov's fruit or something you know <laughs> where we could just put that you know but anyways um so what is your number three so my number three is the anime given which i mentioned a couple of times over the course of the season um but yeah, this was just a really you talk you mentioned Shit's Creek having a coming out story. Um a coming out episode and Given is just a very long coming awareness story. It's also a show where everybody's queer. Um and we're going to navigate that and figure it out. And it's just it's really good and it's really thoughtful um and funny like when her main character who realizes he's in love with the other main character in episode 11 it cuts to different versions of himself inside out style having a conversation in his brain melting down and trying to figure out oh wait what if he doesn't feel the same way and just (laughs) his whole head exploding and it's just it's very good but it's also just really a well animated but it's also just there's so much acceptance in this show that is also just really, really beautiful. Um, 
apart from the fact that it it does involve a barrier gay as an inciting incident that happens mostly off screen and then through flashbacks um, to kind of spur on the action. But the way in which it's treated is more of like a loss that you grow from as opposed to a, well, we got to get rid of it. We have to get rid of this character type of thing. So it's more of a, it's more of a barrier gay in a fridge almost. Um, but in a romance novel tragic sort of way, um, which recontextualizes like how it feels almost. Um, but the ways in which like their burgeoning romance as members of a band is both accepted, but also then immediately called into question because romance ruins bands. Um, (laughs) It's just also really, really, really good. And the way in which one of the older characters sort of steers them into being together because it will be good for the band is also both terrible, but also he recognizes that these are two people who are almost certainly in love with one another, but just can't say it out loud yet. And so by the time that they get to that point, by the end of the first season and there's a movie which will just be a chain of episodes uh coming out next year it's just it's very good it's very lovely it's very beautiful and the other really good thing about it is that it is also just despite being about like late high schoolers and some college students it's also really good for young people to watch it's like super straightforward it's super relatable and it's just it's really really good and I thought about putting it lower, but just the importance of having a sort of openly queer relationship in an anime like this is kind of pivotal as opposed to kind of beating around the bush or kind of playing coy with it or playing it for kind of laughs. And it's just like, no, we're just going to straight up do this boys love anime, except for the fact that it's going to be a lot more honest than that in a lot of ways. And I just went, no, that's really significant in a way that even like something like Yuri and Ice isn't. And so, um, yeah, Given's my number three. And it's just really, it's also probably arguably the best love story I watched this season. Take that, Watchmen. Oh, Um, shots fired. (laughs) So, yeah, it was, it was really good. And I really loved it. And I also, it was lowercase I important, I think. So, yeah. So that was my number three. Yeah. Well, my number three, well, well, first of all, I remember you talking about that uh, when, you know, back when you started watching it. And I'm glad that it has stuck with you and has just um, grown like over the course of the show. Right. Has just has lived up to that potential. So that's that's awesome. Um, my number three is Watchmen. So okay. it was yeah. your number seven, eight, eight. No, seven, seven, seven. My number okay. seven. Yeah. Um, and I hear what you're saying about the finale. I didn't love everything about it's the finale. Not good. I disagree. That's a conversation maybe for when we come back. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. And I think there's some... I'll give you fine. There's some (laughs) moments that I think are great. And then there's some other stuff that that I'm less connected to. But, you know, it really reminds me thinking about this. When I was talking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I was like, you know what? This is also true of a lot of the season of Watchmen. Where, like, when I was watching, I was like, "Mm, maybe... And then I finish the season and I step back from it and I go, no, that, that Hooded Justice episode was pretty much, pretty much great. And like, you know, I was too harsh on some of these other things, as, you know, while I was wa- like watching it week to week. Um, so for me, while yes, 
I we didn't get an answer on screen about Lube Man. We got an answer in the PD files, so we know what the deal with Lube Man. But um, but not on screen. There and there are other things that I would have liked to have gotten to spend more time with. The notion of the whole season as an origin story for Angela Manhattan, um, is I think really fascinating and fun. And I just I had I loved Watchmen so much. I had so much fun watching it. Yeah, and I, I think that the reason why it kind of drops down for me after the finale in various reasons, and again, I think this is a conversation that we should have when we come back, um, is that that pivot into the last act of the show shifts away from a lot of the things that made the first two acts, I think, really interesting and really compelling. Um, they're still there kind of circulating, but they feel like less of a focus. And this... and because of this seeming desire to be a sequel as opposed to something that's inspired by the world, which is what the first act really, first two acts legitimately feel like, um, that it kind of just like separated me from the show a little too much, um, which was frustrating for me. Um, But then there's everything about, again, the Hooded Justice episode, which is basically pitch perfect there is everything about this notion of shared and inherited trauma that is really compelling and as Kristen warner pointed on twitter i think earlier this week the fact that this concept was also in evil which were just two very different shows with two very different writer rooms and it appeared in both shows this year i think is also just really really interesting and so did she and Kristen warner is very rarely wrong about anything um, and I think that, that those, the reasons why I found it so compelling at the start just kind of faded out for me a little bit. And then just the Manhattan of it all ended up just being too much of an issue for me in the end. Um, and then also just the rush to really answer a lot of questions. But at the same time, it's also a show that was deeply funny um, that was really thoughtful and really considerate, had some of the best needle drops for their closing credits that I think <laughs> of any show this year. Um, yeah, no, we're just going to do a cover of I Am the Eggman. And it's going to be like, you're you're going to laugh real hard, everyone, <laughs> when you realize what we're doing. And we did. Um, so I think that it was just one of those things where I really, really liked the first two thirds of it. And then the last third, I just went, this is good still. And I like structurally, I like a lot of this, but I'm not sure that emotionally on character wise, I I'm as connected anymore. Um, all of which is not to say that all the stuff with Jeremy Irons is just really very good. And I can't kind of get over it. Um, but at the same time, I just also was just like, but then you just sideline Gene smart for way too long. Mm-hmm. So, it was just a one thing of like, this was a very ambitious show that I'm not sure totally worked, but all the stuff that did work raised all those other ships for me. Just not enough to break into like anything higher than seven. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know that I even want more of the show. Mm. Mm. But we should definitely not get more of the show. Absolutely. If there not. is more of the show, I would watch the hell out of. Yeah. Angela Manhattan, Gene Smart, Buddy Cut. Like, 
I so want to see what happens next between Angela and Lori. <laughs> like, just even that conversation. Just like when, you know, assuming she fi- figures out what happened, if she does, you know, I just, just see, or just even seeing them interact, even just a conversation between Lori and Angela, where Lori knows that Angela is married to John, you know, yeah. like, oh my God, there, there's so much, it it would be so much and it would be so amazing. And I am fascinated on what those actors would do with that material and, yeah, uh, we, we didn't get it in the show, and that's so so disappointing. Yes, the, <laughs> I so I very much agree. Like the the last third, the last third is a pivot around the Cal and, or um, John and Angela relationship. Yeah, and that's what the home stretch is, and that's very different from the the start of the show, which is more I feel like world building and uh, thematic conversations and the center of the season, which is character one-on-one deep dives first on looking glass and then on hooded justice. Mirror guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then on Angela. Um, And, and so that like those, those character focus episodes are the ones that really, you know, shine for me aside from the, just the opening of the series. Um, but f- like you said, the the average overall, it just lifts everything. And while I was not that very satisfied with the ending with that, they do kill uh, John. Um, that, that last moment, I, you know, of them together, you know, as he's dying is just so beautiful. Such a simple line delivery, you know, such a just pitch perfect again, just right, right. Exactly what it needs to be. It's so beautiful. Um, that, that while that's not my favorite flavor of Watchmen, right. I saw a lot of people that really hit them to their core that really connected for them. For me, like I thought I found the other versions of the show more interesting, but, uh, I was a beautifully executed version of the show that's not my favorite, if that makes sense. Yeah. So while, no, like, that totally makes sense. While I would, you know, rather have gotten more Lori time, um, if you're going to do that version of the show, well done, you know? So it, it just sounds like it just resonated more with me than it did with you. Um, but, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you about four, sorry, three versus seven or eight. It's all good. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And also... That guy talks too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Wrench. I hit him with a wrench. <laughs> oh, delightful. Super fun. Um, yeah. Uh, let's move on to number two. What's your number two? Unbelievable. That's my number two. Hey, hey, look at that. It finally happened. It finally <laughs> happened. Go team. <laughs> so what, did, what, what had you put this at number two? So, again, when we're talking about how we're surviving or not surviving, and Unbelievable is very much a story about how are we not surviving and how can we help each other survive. Um, Yes, it puts, it has us necessary to put faith in a judicial system that is not good. Um, But it also makes room to showcase that that judicial system is not good. Um, and I, re- I appreciate that, but also it's just, it's a series. There's just really terrific performances. 
It's a series that aesthetically depicts rape in a kind of perfect way um, that doesn't feel exploitative, but still conveys violence and violation and fear. Um, And it is a show that very wisely from its source material scuttles a heavy amount of development for its serial killer, serial killer, for its serial rapist, because fuck that guy. Um, who cares? And so I think that those those things, plus telling that story now and in this moment of finally having conversations about this in public in a really weird way, but all in a really open way, but also in a sense of we've got a president who is has sexually assaulted or brags about sexually assaulted or has bragged about sexually assaulting women. Um, and has sexually assaulted more than like 30 women um, or allegedly has sexually assaulted more than 30 women and just the degrees to which we just don't care. Um, Having the story be made and told, um, I think just it matters. And it's also just really, really well told, really well shot. And again, you just want to watch Tony Collette and Marriott Weaver do things as police detectives all the time after this, but then you want to watch Caitlin Deavers just be who we recognized she was going to be when we saw her in Justified. And then we're very sad. She was tied up in last man standing for so long. <laughs> hey, you know what? Take that paycheck, put a stick it in the bank and let it allow you to make lots of artistic choices in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take that broadcast money. Um, so, um, that's why Unbelievable is my number two, um, because it represents both the failures of the system, but what the system can do if the right people are involved. Um, which also speaks to what my number one is as well, though less pessimistically, um, uh, sorry, less optimistically. Um, so yeah, that's why Unbelievable was my number two. Why was Unbelievable your number two? Well, everything you just said, um, yeah. I think it, you know, it stuck with me. It's one of those one timers, I think. Uh-huh. Though maybe I could dip in for the some of the Tony Collette Mary Weaver stuff. Um yeah. but I think, you know, not only was it full of really terrific performances, very specific and smart writing, um, some really nice contrasting not just between like the good cops and the and the useless cops. But just the, even just the 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 people that we're on board with and and how they are affected by what they're doing and what they're dealing with, um, you know, it, it it has these fully realized characters. And yes, they're based on actual people, which I'm sure helps. But it's not, even if they had been entirely you know drawn from whole cloth, they have these lives that we just they're they are absolutely happening. Like Merritt Weaver and her husbands, like wrangling like attempts to wrangle their kids between their very diff- difficult schedules like work opposite working schedules like that is a whole separate show <laughs> that would be interesting and that the these writers and producers could make because they have enough of a sense of it um and that comes through on the screen when just you're watching her sit in her living room on the couch and then her husband just says one thing about, you know, oh, you should talk to this other cop in, in my work. And that 
that attention to detail, that interest and curiosity in the humanity of these characters in a way separate from what most shows feel like they need to do for the cops chasing the bad guy um, is what elevates it. I think Um, add in that, you know, the relevance to the current situation or, or political situation, but also the cultural situation, you know, status of the country right now. Um, and that, you know, there's all kind of stacks on top of each other, but yeah, if only just for its approach, its respectful approach to issues around assault and not just the way it was filmed, because that is like, shouldn't be, shouldn't feel revolutionary, but it does. And it is so significant, but also it's respect and awareness of how that lingers on in so many other ways, not just outside of that moment, but just throughout, you know, our main character's life. It's, it, it really feels revelatory. And, um, it's so it's it's compelling TV. It's very well executed TV uh, on every level, um, and it's some of the most striking. Though, like certainly, very triggering. Not for everyone, but if you are not actively avoiding this for very understandable reasons, I mean, I can't under. I feel like I can't understate how significant it is and how compelling it is. So that's why it's my number two. Yeah, and I, I think that's really kind of the key thing is it does feel shockingly revelatory on a number of levels, despite the fact that it shouldn't be. And all the more reason to highlight it and watch it again, provided you feel comfortable doing so. Yeah. Um, now, is your number one a show I don't watch? I guess it has to be. Because uh, yeah. my number one's Chernobyl. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so go for it. Yeah, so, again, talking about how we're surviving things or not surviving things, let's have a conversation about how, yeah, no, our our reactor was fine. It definitely did not go below that level, and we're going to tell everyone exactly that. <laughs> and then we're going to punish the people who tell the truth. And we're just going to call everything else basically bad science and fake reporting and also... The death toll from Chernobyl since 1987 hasn't changed from the official count of 31 since 1987. And the estimates range between 3,000 or 4,000 and 93,000. So, but only 31. (laughs) Um, So, again, we're talking about institutional failures here. And how do we deal with those? And the answer is either we don't. And we just pretend that they don't happen. Um, We attempt to and we get punished for them. Or we make other people do horrific things to cover for those failures. We have people go around and shoot irradiated dogs and animals that just make them grow up. Them being the people who shoot them very quickly. We have people who give birth and have strokes as a result. Who develop cancer um, and basically kind of pretended it never happened. Um, and then we, you know, what was the, what's the other? Oh, the other thing is we go, all right, well, we can't clear off this roof um, and we can't use robots so, because the radi- radiation's too high and they just stop working. What if we do bio robots where we have people, actual people in as much lead armor as we can manage, shovel things for 90 seconds and then run away from the roof and then shift in someone else for 90 seconds to do the same thing, and then just do this over and over again. And we start with, like, 
nearly 3,000 people, and it's a handful of people who are left to receive thanks from the Soviet Union for it. Um, it's all really scary, it's all really har- harrowing, and it's all really, really important. Um, it's really well acted because you get Jared Harris being the smartest guy in the room that nobody listens to and then being very sad. Um, <laughs> things is, he's very good at. <laughs> all things he's very, very good at. Um, and then just steadily building, but then aesthetically, it's also just really great on both a visual level and a, um, whatchamacallit, on a sound level as well. Um, I talked about, like, the radiation counter tickings, um, that happened, I think, in episode two or three, and just how really scary that was and how really effectively they handled it. And the continuation of that kind of stuff, I think, just works really, really well. Um, throughout the season, but it's generally the fact of, again, what is, what are facts? What is truth? What are we doing to, when we decide to ignore those things for the sake of a narrative that makes us either feel better or makes those in power feel better? And Chernobyl really illustrates those aspects very, very clearly and very, very well. Um, so I don't want to like belabor it too much because we didn't need to talk about Fleabag. Um, but I think it's just, it's very, very good. And I really encourage you all to watch it. Like my person and I watched three episodes as it was airing. And then we just kind of stopped mm-hmm. <laughs> for, I think, very understandable and, reasons, you know? Right. We just, we just kind of stopped. We let it kind of just trail off. And then we changed like service providers for our cable and everything. And we lost the recordings, even though we still had HBO in another form. We just never circled around to it. So I watched it this week to finish it. And we only had those two episodes left and it's just, it's really great, and it's really, really, yeah, it's just, watch it. It's it's less of a hard watch than unbelievable can be, but there's still plenty of things that just feel like, wait, oh, no, all of this is really bad and terrible, and we're technically only good for another hundred years or so um, in terms of the safety of that site, Um given the concrete that they poured and the dome and everything, even though that is now also a tourist destination that you can visit. Um, Which hurts my brain. Yeah, no, it's real weird. Mm -hmm. It's very weird. (laughs) It's so weird because I've looked at a lot of pictures of um, the immediate um, exclusionary area of um, the, that plant, the Chernobyl plant. It's just, it's really great. Um, It's really, no, the pictures are really scary and also just wild from how nature has completely reclaimed that area but yet all these apartment buildings basically are still there and it's just it's weird and yeah but it's still really really good and if you told me like one of the better season series finales this year was jared harris finally speaking the truth in a court of in a court of law air quotes um i would not have believed you but yet it was very very effective and very very good so yeah no chernobyl is my number one for you know institutional problems and how do we cope with them guess what it's real hard and in some cases we don't yeah, I remember when it was airing, um, I saw some people reacting to it with like a, oh, man, Soviet Union, Union that was crazy, right? Oh, so crazy. Yeah, no, we know. Like, it's like, um, I think you're missing the point. I don't think they're yeah. trying to say that that's a, the Soviet Union was messed up and we're good. I like climate change. Or t- 
take any other piece of facts. Yeah, there's plenty of other things that could apply. But the point being, it doesn't seem to me, and just having seen like little smatterings of it, that this is the kind of show that's intended for you to pat yourself on the back that over here in the U.S. we're fine because we, we, yeah. we approach things differently. <laughs> it, it, it definitely is not bad. And if you if you walk away from the show with that thought, you were not paying. You're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, our last show we're going to talk about here was your number four and my number one, and that is yeah. Fleabag. And this was another one where I was like, initially, I wouldn't have anticipated be earlier in the year that this would be my number one, but it's just grown and grown in estimation for me. And um, you know, we'll talk. I think I'm going to throw it to you here pretty quickly, but if I had to pick one moment of television this year that was electric that just like shocked me and like got me to sit for it and paid damn closer attention. It was Andrew Scott looking at the camera for like a minute, just for that millisecond, you know, like glancing and like truly seeing us and then moving his eyes moving on. Um, what like after a first season that I appreciated but didn't love anywhere near as much as everybody else seemed to, um, the second season was everything I liked about the first season, just clarified and more specific. Um, yeah, it was hilarious. It was emotional. It was intense and challenging, and it fully brought me on board with uh, Andrew Scott <laughs> in a way that I have not been previously as much as I've, I've enjoyed some of his other performances uh, and and uh, characters and stuff. But like after this, I will watch him in pretty much anything, and that's a long way from my my uh, appreciation or lack thereof of his Moriarty. So um, yeah, I really I really like Fleabag. Yeah, and I think, like, a lot of it does boil down to that moment where he looks at the camera, but it also, like, that finale where she walks away mm-hmm. um, is also just, and we just sit there, um, is also really, really good. But it's it just generally, like you say, like, I love, I really like the first season much more than you did, but your point about how this season is streamlined and crystallized in a way that the other season is not, I think is still really, really accurate. Um, Mainly because that baggage of the mystery in season one isn't there. So it's freer to do other things. Um, And I think that that's really important when you're trying to tell the story about a woman trying to figure out what love means now, um, now that she's allowing herself to feel something um, in a way. And now it's about a hot priest. Um, who is tapped into a world that she doesn't have any connection to, except for the fact that he can also tap into hers, maybe because of who he is. Um, And there's something just really exciting and scary about that, um, because that really kind of perfectly encapsulates also falling in love with someone, because you tap into each other's worlds in a lot of ways. Um, And that's scary and weird and you're not quite sure when someone else is going to look at your own camera, basically. Um, And I think that this season does a really good job of explaining all of that and capturing all of that while also really perfectly capturing going to the hair salon with the picture of the haircut you want (laughs) and then being like, this is not what I wanted. Show me the receipts. (laughs) I'll see you on Thursday. (laughs) Oh, so good. And also Olivia Coleman just being terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. So 
no, it's just really, really good. And like, I, for me personally, like I really struggled with where to place it and given, like I kept flipping the two of them back and forth. And I just went, Fleabag's probably more revolutionary for most audiences, but given feels really revolutionary for anime in a lot of ways. So I'm going to edge it. I'm going to split this difference here basically, but Fleabag's just really, really good. And just that, that damn fox. Yeah, <laughs> foxes. The foxes at the end are oh, they are delightful. So funny. Um, when Phoebe Waller Ridge hosted SNL in her monologue, she talked about the like the phenomenon of of hot priest and what is it about this guy? What is it about this guy? And um, and she what she said uh, is that you know because he's he's disheveled, right? He's not. I mean. Don't get me wrong, Andrew Scott is a very attractive person, but like if you were gonna cast for someone to be gorgeous, you wouldn't cast yeah. Andrew Scott. Right. Um but he listens. And mm-hmm. and that's just the most attractive thing possible. And he lis- he sit he just sits and listens. That's his I mean, as a priest, that's a big part of his job. Um or in how he interprets his calling. And that's something that she has not experienced for a very, very long time, if ever. And I think it's it's just a, something that's just so hard for all of us to do in our day to day lives. We're all just so busy <laughs> treading water, trying to keep up, trying to keep our head above the water, and and you know get everything taken care of that we need to. Um, so to stop and just sit in a moment and just listen, and maybe sip on a crappy G and T in a can um, with someone is is a rare thing. Um, and seeing seeing Fleabag like kind of faced with that that vulnerability yeah. is is so powerful it's it, she just can't handle it I, you know this season for example when I said you know I really appreciated the change some of the changes to the show in the season like I love that the cafe cafe is doing fine we don't even worry about it yeah. yeah it's fine there's still guinea pigs everywhere don't worry about it um we kind of cut back to it a few times I loved the the um the the, the random paintings of god <laughs> crashing down um and when they come and when they don't <laughs> um and you know there were so there were there were these different beats that you know that really worked throughout the show but let us not forget you mentioned the pencil haircut um let's not forget Brett Gelman being horrible let's not forget when fleabag drops the award and then has to like yes. sprint oh my god how many of us have felt like had that little imp of the uh a, a perverse moment in our head where we're pretty sure that was going to happen to us uh chris and scott thomas showing up just for a scene in a bar being fabulous there's so much to appreciate in the season of fleabag um but what keeps me coming back to it is that central performance is that writing, that relationship with the camera, and like you said, the way that it captures that vulnerability. And, you know, sort of like I was saying about Shit's Creek, this is the kind of thing that you couldn't do in season one. Wouldn't be meaningful yeah. in the season one of a show. But in season two, it's incredibly impactful. And it's another show that I'm assuming we're not going to get more of Fleabag. And perfect ending. Yeah. No, and if we got more, it would be a major crisis tipping point for Fleabag. Mm-hmm. That I don't know that the sh- that there's a way to recover from almost um that i just i don't want and so yeah no i don't want any more and i hope phoebe waller bridge avoids that impulse or both that pressure unless she finds a way to really figure it out 
Um, I mean, you mentioned some really good guest performances, but Fiona Shaw showing up as her therapist. Ugh, so good. It's just really great. And um, let's not forget also just the sheer delicacy um, of the performance of the guy who plays the hot misogynist. Mm-hmm. The best sex she's ever had. Yeah. Literally. Um, <laughs> 13 times. Uh, um, just the way that character is very much played for a joke, but is also just like exactly what she needs when she needs it, but also is not a recognizable thing, but just needs that confirmation that he was the best sex. Yeah. And then he's fine. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> bye. <Yeah. laughs> right. Just like, oh, that's, that's very good. He's horrible. But he's very good. Uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways, I can point to like other flaws in all the other shows that I put above Fleabag because Fleabag just feels kind of perfectly calibrated. Um, but at the same time, be- because these other shows had like weird messies or maybe had like a grander scale sort of thing and like important message type stuff. Um, but Fleabag still being a love story, I think is still really important, which is why I sort of ended up pairing it with Given because they're both just really good love stories. Yeah. Well, and again, it's just, there are three shows you liked more. That doesn't mean Fleabag isn't great. That's fine. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know. Yeah, it's really compelling TV. My, um, I found out that my family has not seen Fleabag, but I don't know if I can recommend it to them <laughs> or not, you know? I, I, I would legitimately pay money to watch Maggie watch Fleabag. <laughs> I would pay money for that. Okay, I will pass that along. <laughs> see what she says. Yeah, just, she can start a Twitch stream and yeah. I will just, I will just, I will, I will pay money to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's another one that I look forward to at some point coming back to, and I'm confident I will find new things in it as as my life changes, as you know, I get different perspectives on things as well, and I look forward to that experience. This feels, it just feels, all of the the top of my list feels very rich and very uh, nuanced, and like that's the kind of thing where I will come to it as a slightly different version of myself at different points in my life. I could return to it, and I will find something new. I will you have a new relationship with the show and that's just exciting for me. That's just exciting TV um, and art and storytelling. So yeah, there was a lot of really good TV this year, even if, you know, there weren't as many that for us were like, well, obviously this must be in the top. There was still a lot of really interesting TV. There was a lot of really strong TV. Um, I think that middle tier is while it's not as, you know, revolutionary as, as maybe we would like, it's a deep bench of strong middle tier shows. So yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain too much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not complaining. It just made making a list this year. Yeah. Frustrating. Lists are frustrating and challenging and difficult and, uh, and also fun, which is why we do them. Um, well, that's the end of our list for this week. Uh, if you like lists, come back next week. <laughs> but for now, a few show notes. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. And Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thanks so much for a great week, Kate. Thanks for a great week, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. Oh, and thanks to those for those marshmallows and candies. You're welcome. Thank you for all the other goodies. You did many more goodies yes. than I did. Yes, but you sent me a card, which is delightful. And I never do. Listeners know is very good at cards. Um, 
we will just keep complimenting each other unless we sign off. So we should sign off. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.